welcome to episode 57 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T. As always, Theo, how are you doing? It's been a, it's been a very long time. It feels like uh, almost a year without recording, but it's only been a couple of weeks. But I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying the last day of sunshine here in London. Just about recovered from my, my head concussion <laughs> that I had last week. Um, so hopefully I talk a bit of sense on today's episode and not, not uh, utter gibberish. But um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Like yourself, you know, just enjoying the sun. Well, what's left of it anyway? It's a bit cloudy today, but um, but yeah, you know, just enjoying enjoying the the sort of time away from Chelsea and sort of watching a few of the international games. Um, although I did watch a very good game, Wrexham versus Dover, six five, weekend, wasn't it? Six five. So I managed to get like a dodgy stream to watch that randomly because I was struggling for football. Um, and did have Notts County on at the same time. Um, but yeah, good. Two good games to watch and obviously a couple of international games, but I am missing Chelsea, of course. Chelsea's our first love. So um, let's let's take it back. Cause like you said, we haven't recorded for a few weeks now. So let's take it back to Lille, which um, you, you was there. Um, if you haven't already before we, in fact, no, let's, let's do the, the celebrations first. We've got 5,000 followers on Instagram or well, 5,000 plus followers on Instagram which is a massive achievement I know you do a lot of work on there so that's a massive achievement in itself um we're close to um you know we get into a thousand followers on Twitter slowly slowly creeping up but to get 5,000 is an achievement in itself but the reason I bring that up is not just to say follow the socials which you can see at the top of the the page here but also because a lot of the content that you you posted um and which I'm sure you'll bring up in a minute around the the Lil game um was all posted on our Instagram account. So what, what I mean, let's, let's talk it through because obviously there's a lot to unpick from it. Yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant away day to start off. Uh, really quite very easy to get to from um, from London, just Eurostar to, straight to Lille um, before it gets to Brussels. So about an hour and a half on the train. Next thing you know, you're in Lille. And despite reading all the kind of COVID restrictions and protocols, it was fairly straightforward. Um, I think, you know, they've kind of eased the, the rules now, wearing a mask around the... the the French city was quite chill, if I'm honest as well. You didn't really have to feel forced to wear one. But um, no, Chelsea fans were brilliant out there. You know, enjoyed a few drinks, met some great, great Chelsea fans, good uh, good vibes. We're staying in a hotel with a bunch of Chelsea fans who I recognised off Twitter. So got to have a few pre-match drinks with them in the hotel reception as well. And um, no, it was really good. Um, but like we all know, just the French police being the French police, they just love to start drama altercations just out of nothing and um, I'm sure if you read from some some good sources online you know that the Chelsea fans were I want to say well behaved they were well behaved they were just enjoying the football atmosphere just participating in some you know some chants some some football banter talking about Boris Johnson a lot to the government like you do some some really good and witty banners but um, I've been to two away days in, in in France I've been to Paris for PSG against Chelsea back in 2015 this was my second trip to, to France to watch Chelsea in Lille um, a few weeks ago. And the two times I was out there, we'd been tear gassed just mm. from nothing, you know, just the French police just surround us all. And for no reason, they see a bit of a commotion and they just feel the need to throw tear gas, hitting Chelsea fans with batons, getting the riot shields out. It's just unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. You know, all these era of football hooligans is, is long gone now. Um, these Chelsea fans, just like all football fans, they like to enjoy a few drinks before the game. We were going to head off into the tube anyway to go to the the stadium, and even leaving the stadium, just leaving the stadium, they um, they they make it such a hostile atmosphere. It's like they're lined up all together 
with German shepherds on, on leashes barking at you. It almost feels like you're being led to a concentration camp, but you're actually going <laughs> yeah. to a metro station. It's so, it's so hostile. And it just makes you feel like, is it really worth, you know, going all the way to these cities to get tear gas, to, to be treated like that by the French police, to feel so unwelcome as well. But um, yeah, and then they also my face ended up on the Daily Mail, the Sun, the Metro, all of that. And oh, that's really? not I what thought you... it was just, just the one. It got, no, it got... no, it was more than one. <laughs> it, I think um, the Mirror as well, you know, all those cheap tabloid newspapers, yeah. they, they use my face as the front image. Chelsea fans involved with, you know, police and Roman Abramovich charts and my face is there, which is not what I want to be seeing. And yeah, my mum as well wasn't best pleased. Yeah, um, of course. But no, a class away day, um, good result as well. I've been to watch Chelsea abroad a couple of times. In fact, fifth time, actually. This is the first time I actually see them win. So um, about time, it was long overdue. And performance-wise, I thought it was a decent performance. Could have been better. But, you know, we had the 2-0 lead. So um, that's what counts. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I mean... Like I said before, there's a lot to unpick. And just just in terms of that, I mean, obviously going over there, you know, you don't expect to get that sort of treatment. And, you know, I think back to um, at, 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 uh, Atletico, I think it was that came to Liverpool a few few seasons ago, just before the COVID, the first lockdown. And I, I was working in Liverpool at the time, City Centre. And I remember, and it's not just their, their fans, not I'm just picking on them because it's one that I remember recently, but, you know, they would always take over the city. And, you know, there was, it was peaceful. It was, they were happy just to sort of take over the city. They were charting down the street. They were, and you expect that from football fans when they go to another, you know, another European city or or wherever, Um, you kind of expect a little bit of, not rowdiness, but you expect a little bit of, you know, we're just happy to be in another, you know, outside of England, especially as well. And you expect a lot of that. And it's no different to a Saturday, you know, you go to, to an away day on a Saturday, it's the same thing. So, um, to, to hear and to see some of the pictures that I got to see, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the, the tear gas and the batons being drawn out. It's just, it's so like over the top, you, you know, it doesn't need to happen. Um, you know, I can only imagine, I mean, you wasn't the only one that I, I saw, you know, there was loads of different people on online, you know, showing that the effects of it as well um, in terms of the tear gas and just, yeah, I mean, in the papers is a totally different. I mean, I've I said this loads of times on social media, but the, they're just the, the, the lowest of the lowest, you know, they'll, the fact they can just take someone's images and videos and, and post them and spin a narrative that isn't even true. And like you just said as well, it can have a, a long lasting effect that can infect your employment. It can affect your family home. It could affect so many different things that they just don't take into consideration, which is, is weird to me, but um, yeah, I just can't believe I, I, when you sent me the images, I think at first I didn't realise it was you. I just looked and I thought oh, it's, a, it's a really shit like story that they're, they're trying to spin it. And then you, you told me after, it's like, no, look, who's the, it's me in the picture. I was like, oh shit, yeah, it's you. And I was like, yeah, is this, this is crazy. But um, you know, what, what, what's like the, what can you do for that? I don't know. I mean, you, I don't know if, because it's on social media, I'm pretty sure um, there's like a loophole in there that would potentially allow them to just pick a, an image or a video off off. Um, you know, a social account and just use it. But what I think they should do is credit where it's come from, regardless of the story that they're trying to push. They they should or at least notify you that we're using this image. Do you object? I think that should be the sort of courtesy side of it. Mm. No, because I actually work for a social media management platform. So I deal, I help brands with their social media a lot. And um, one of the rules that we always kind of encourage when talking about user-generated content and leveraging other people's content is always ask for permission. Always ask for permission. 
regardless of where you repost it to, whether you screenshot the image, put it in a PowerPoint presentation or whatever it may be, always ask for permission. And mm. clearly, you know, the Sun, the Daily Mail, all these scummy newspapers didn't ask me for my permission. And like you said, it may affect me later in my life. My, my, my face is forever there on that article mm. um, alongside, you know, Putin's name, Roman Abramovich's name, and these kind of uh, bad, bad terms, I suppose, in today's world. And it's, it's not really what I want to be seeing. And mm. I try, try to put it behind me. I kind of laughed it off in the end and did find it, it relatively funny, I suppose. But it's not, it's not that funny, if I'm honest. Not, not at the time as well, when you just, you just want to enjoy the game. But um, just, just in terms of the game itself, yeah, I, do, I agree. It wasn't, it wasn't the best performance. And I, I feel like we went into the game knowing that we had that 2-0 cushion going into it. Um, I wanted to ask you around the penalty um, that was given to Lille. The, I think it was Jorginho that gave it away. A good, good penalty taken by Yilmaz, I think it was. Um, do, do you think it was handball, looking back on reflection? I mean, just I think given on what's been given previously in previous games, you know, ball to arm, whatever, ball to chest, whatever you want to call it, is, I think it is a handball. I think had it gone the other way, um, Chelsea fans would have agreed that it was a handball. So um, can't really complain. Um, and like, fortunately, it was just their only goal of the game and the only goal they got in the tie. So... Mm. It is what it is, but I think it was probably a pen. Yeah, and I think I think Yomaz was probably one of their better players in that second leg. I thought he kind of orchestrated a lot of the movement up front, and um, I think he had a couple of chances as well. Um, didn't really work Mendy, but it's still chances that they should have taken or could have taken a little bit better. But Jorginho did redeem himself. I thought it was a brilliant pass into uh, Christian Pulisic for the for the goal. Um, yeah, I mean it was almost the best in worst of Jorginho in, a, in that game you know the, the handball but then that that exquisite pass that you know he can do he can give you that as well um, and Pulisic as well I think I can't remember before the game um, if I'd said to you I said to someone you know he, he's slowly finding that form that we know Pulisic has got in him um, and he's showed it again I mean even I think it was yesterday or the day before for, for USA I think he scored a hat-trick I think it was yesterday he scored a hat-trick so we know he's got it in him we just need to see a little bit more for Chelsea as well yeah, I mean, the Jorginho pass, first year was exquisite. It was like a Cesc Fabregas pass cutting through the defence. And the timing of that goal was brilliant because all the Chelsea fans were slowly getting a bit nervous before half time, seeing that they were 1 0 up, 2 1 in aggregate. Obviously, no away goal rule um, in, in the, you know, this season in the Champions League. So the timing of that goal was brilliant to go into half time, 3 1 up in aggregate. And the finish from Pulisic was brilliant. The angle was really, really tight. I don't think anyone expected him to score from there. You know, had his name been Mo Salah or Vinicius Junior, people would be talking about that goal a lot. But he is a young talent. He is a brilliant player. He's slowly regaining his form, like we saw last, towards the end of last season, maybe. So I think um, he'll be a big player to have in the in the last couple of months, and particularly in the, the Real Madrid ties, and hopefully in the semi-finals of the Champions League as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, and and obviously Mason Mount, who again has kind of had mixed reviews over his last couple of performances, but I, I thought. Uh, especially in the game, the Champions League game, I thought he put in a good shift. I thought he played really well, um, and I thought the assists. I mean, it was a it was a ball across the you know the box that you just needed someone to get their their head or their foot onto the end of it. But it was still a, a very good goal. And obviously, Cesar Spiaquetta, who I think his last Champions League goal, I'm sure I read this, was against Lille. 2019 I think it was yeah December 2019 against Lille in the home leg yeah yeah so I think I think that's what I mean you know again you know he's been a brilliant servant to the club um deserved the goal I thought he played really well as well but um you mentioned Real Madrid can can we do it 
I think so. I do. I'm confident. I don't. I hate being too confident when it comes to football because it always, you know, bites me back and backfires. But um, you saw what they without Benzema there. They look like a very weak team. We saw that in the Clasico when they lost four 0 to Barcelona, who haven't been having the best of seasons themselves. But uh, on paper, I think we are the better team. We've got a more a better squad, a, def- a lot better uh, squad um, defensively as well. I don't feel like since they've lost Ramos and um, those type of players, they look a lot weaker defensively. Because in Militao and I can't remember who, who the other centre back is, um, maybe Ferlon Mendy or, um, but um, but yeah, they don't have Varane anymore as well. I think Benzema is the one to watch. Obviously, we know what he's capable of doing. We saw that in their previous tie against PSG, a hat trick out of nothing. But um, I'm I'm also a lot more confident that um, Rudiger and Silva and Co can handle Benzema better than um, than Marquinhos and Kipembe can. So um, I am confident. I'm really, really confident and we'll have fans for those legs as well, which is really, really important. I was really worried it'd be an empty, half-empty Stamford Bridge and no away mm. fans in the Bernabeu. But, um, but no, I'm confident. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting tie. It's going to be very different to the ones that were played last last season in empty stadiums. Shame we won't get to see Hazard back at Stamford Bridge. He's he's going for his surgery at the moment. But, yeah, um, it's a shame. Yeah, it would have been a nice welcome back for Eden Hazard because he did say, I think in his farewell message, he hopes that Chelsea get to play Real Madrid every season after he leaves so you know he gets to meet the fans again but we've played him twice now and he hasn't really had the the kind of uh, farewell or the little um, reunion with the fans that he deserves so that's a shame um, but no it will be a very good tie I think but I am fairly confident yeah no it will be, it'll be good you know it'll be a good game um, the reason I brought, brought up this screen is because obviously we've, we've got Brentford at the weekend who we're going to get on to soon but um you know, you look at those 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 sort of ties there. Now you've got Brentford, Southampton, Southampton in between. Um, a relatively difficult fixture uh, in terms of Real Madrid. And then we have Real Madrid again after that as well. So, um, and then you you look at those fixtures in between the two Champions League games, and you you, you do kind of fancy um, no get no. There's no easy game in my opinion in the Premier League, especially at the moment. Um, you know the way that the Premier League's gone this season. But I just think you know playing Brentford, you kind of expect us to beat them. Um, the same with Southampton as well. So it's probably a good time to fit those two fixtures in between, you know, um, those two Premier League games for me. But, I, I, you know, I'm like you, you know, I think we can, I think we've got every reason to think that we can get through through the uh, the next leg of the, the Champions League. I think, you know, we've we done it last season. Um, I think you're 100% correct, you know, Real Madrid looked a completely different. I think I turned off the El Clasico in the end because it was it was just that one sided. It was just boring. But uh, I think when they've got Benzema in the team, we know he's the threat. He's the one that everything goes through. He can make anything happen. So if he, you know, it's a shame that Hazard isn't there because I think you know he'd be up for the game. I think he'd be as much as he he wouldn't want to come back in at the expense of Chelsea, put Real Madrid through. But I think he would have to. You know, I think he can do that. Um, Real Madrid aren't a bad team. You know, and I think. Again, you know, we have to respect them, like any team that comes to to Stamford Bridge. But I just look at the team. I think this break now that the say break, but the international break, um, the stuff that's going off field on off field as well, um, it might help the club. We might just springboard just onto the the rest of this season and actually want to run through brick walls for Thomas Tuchel. So I, I think that's for me what I'd like to see from the club from the from the players I'd love to see them just go out there and just treat every game like it you know it's the last game that they're ever going to play um if they can do that you know I said I said a few weeks ago I think we can get to the final and do back-to-back Champions Leagues yeah I mean you talk about Chelsea's form I think since the new year we've only lost one game against Man City 
if I'm correct. And then we drew with Brighton and I guess we drew with Liverpool and lost on, the, on penalties. But our form in 2022 has been really, really good, um, despite everything going on, you know, in the background of the club and the, the ownership. Um, I just wanted to also point out it's not the same Real Madrid side that won four Champions Leagues in the space of four or five years. They're a very different club now. Change of um, they've got a new new manager, similar similar face, but he's come back now with a different squad. No more Ronaldo. Bale's been clearly left out of the squad. Um, he's actually <laughs> played very very well the other day um, for Wales. Yeah. But um, one player I wanted to point out for Chelsea who could really make a difference for us is Rhys James. If Rhys James is fit, I think it'll be a fairly comfortable tie. If he's still kind of finding his fitness and struggling with that injury, then it might be a lot trickier having uh, Aspie on right, right wing back or having to play with a back four maybe even. So, um, yeah, I think it will be very reliant on um, Rhys James' fitness as well. I think it's interesting because, I, I don't know, I, I think we seem to be rushing Rhys James back. And I think if he isn't fit or he's half fit, which is what I think happened previously, you know, he's not fully, you know, he's not fully fit. We've rushed him back. We've done the same with Angola Kante as well a few times. I think I'd like to see him sit this one out in the first leg. I really would. I think if it, if it's the case that we can cope with Cesar Spearquetta in the first leg, let's, I mean, he's a, he's a veteran. He's someone that's, you know, we, we, we've got to think of Spearquetta as someone who, Yes, he's aging. Yes, he's getting older. He's getting slower, but he still knows how to do a job there. And I think um, if it came down to it, I wouldn't be disappointed to see him in the team. But I, I you know, I back you up a hundred percent. You know, Reece James is a game changer. He can, you know, he can provide assists. He can get forward a bit more as well. And I think in a game like that against Real Madrid, you know, you do need someone who can do that. Um, but but you, do, you, just, you do need experience as well. Like. I was just about to say, would, would I be would I be sad to see someone who's experienced as Cesar Spearquetta in the team? Probably not, but um, I do get what I, you know, hundred percent get what you mean, and I think you know he's he's um, Reece James is someone that can can definitely change the game. If we if we need in a goal, I'd rather see Reece James on that right wing back position than Aspiaqueta. Um, You know, we want to try and make sure we don't leave ourselves too much to do in the second leg. If it is that you know we do need to go to the second leg and try and get a result. Yeah, no, because I think, look, thinking back when we played uh, Real Madrid last season in the semis, Aspi did start, I think, the first leg. I can't remember about the second leg. I can't remember if he started the first leg at right wing back or, or centre back in a back three. But he did a decent job, I remember. So you need to find that kind of mix of youth and you know energy and and players that can provide goals like Rhys James. But you also need your captain, who is Azpilicueta, who could provide that experience, give that that um, half um, half uh, half time team talk. So he'll be a really important player to have um, whether he plays, you know, he starts the game, whether he comes on as a sub or whether he's even just sitting on the bench giving that talk. Um, but no, I think um, regarding Rhys James, he um, he sat out Norwich, Newcastle, Lille away and Middlesbrough. So he missed about the first the two weeks before the international break. And now he's resting again for another two weeks, having been um, withdrawn from the England squad. Mm. You'd, you'd hope four weeks is about enough for him to find his fitness and maybe miss out the Brentford game, but play a part for Real Madrid, I think he'll be ready. I really hope he'll be ready. But like you said, you just don't want to rush him and have to lose him for another month or so. Yeah, it's a fair, I mean, it's a fair comment. You know, I think, I think someone his age, the injury that he had, yeah, you know, a month, five weeks is, is for me is enough, but it's just whether, whether, you know, we risk him, you know, if we risk him against Brentford, then it's a reoccurring injury. But, um, you know, we'll have to see. Hopefully Thomas Tuchel, as always, you know, we trust in him to get it right. Um, let's, let's talk about if we do advance further into the Champions League 
and, and we look at, yeah, can, can we go all the way is what, well, that's, that's what I'm building up to, the question I'm trying to build up to, but, you know, we, I think we played Man City, wouldn't we? In the, in, City, or, or, or City Atletico. Atletico. I, think, yeah. I always say City, but it could be all Atletico, but um, yeah, you know, could we, could we potentially face Liverpool in the final? Is that what it, is that really what we want to see? A Liverpool-Chelsea final? Or going to hibernation if we lose to Liverpool in the final, yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's the, the summer version of hibernation? I go into that, honestly. Um, yeah. But one game at a time, that's always what I say. Focus on Real Madrid first. Then if it gets to Atletico or City in the semis, focus on that game, which is probably going to be a very, very difficult game because I expect it to be City who would have learned from their mistakes in the final of last season. And Guardiola seems to know how to play against two calls Chelsea like we saw in our, our two Premier League games against them this season. But no, I'll, I'll just say one game at a time, but never say never for when it get, you know, comes to us progressing to another final. And it would be typical us to you know, get some silverware again at the end of the season given everything that's happened in the last few weeks or months so never say never yeah no i agree just just off topic slightly um thomas tuchel i think last week was was tipped to be the next united manager um i think that's progressed re- since then but could you see thomas tuchel being sort of prized away from from stanford bridge no no i'll just keep it simple i'll just say no I, I can't see myself either, but um, you know the fact that you know press is starting to ask that question and ask you know United or this club that club. I think once his sale goes through, I think it's you know business as usual, and it, that's what it's been throughout all of this. You know, for, especially for Thomas Tuchel. Um, even prior to this happening, if you remember all the silly questions that were being asked of him around um, the the sort of political issues going on in in the world it's business as usual and I think you know he, he likes obviously being at Chelsea he loves living in London you know he loves the he loves everything about the club the players that he sees the vision that we've got there at the club as well so I can't I can't see him going um, I think it would take a lot of him to to walk away from something that is potentially you know he's got a chance here now new owners coming in to build like a, a big legacy at the club yeah no like you said um, he seems very happy he seems to have um, really he seems really to enjoy working with this um, Chelsea squad and the, all the previous managers we had, whether it was Sarri, Lampard, Conte, after about a year of them in charge, there were some cracks, you know, whether it was the way they handled questions in interviews, their demeanour, their, uh, you know, relationships with certain players. Whereas if anything, after a year of having Tuchel in charge, things have only gotten stronger for him. Mm-hmm. The ways he's, you know, handled questions in the press and the press conferences, like those really unprofessional questions regarding of what what's happening in Ukraine and Russia his relationship with a lot of the players, I'd say about 90% of them is spot on. He seems to really mm, get the best yeah. out of them. Um, uh, so I think it's going to, uh, we'll have a new owner hopefully by the end of April. And then it will just, like you said, business as usual. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's, let's talk about some more silverware. FA Cup. It's all we overdo on this, this podcast. Talk about silverware. Um, let's talk about F- FA Cup Middlesbrough. It was a relatively easy easiest game I thought you know it was all wrapped up I think in the in the first half 2-0 um, Romelu Lukaku could he could he really have missed that goal I don't think so but it is Lukaku so anything's possible but it was a brilliant game uh, brilliant performance I think from the team um, I was impressed with Hakim Ziyech I thought he played really well throughout the game got a, obviously I think it was his birthday that day as well so he got a really good good goal from it but I thought Mason Mount again I thought he was the 
the one pulling all the strings and um, it worked. You know, it worked really well. What was your thoughts? No, it was a decent game. Like you said, it was fairly comfortable between the at half time. Um, obviously, United and Tottenham playing middles, but they struggled. They really struggled. Whereas we kind of made it look like a light work in a way. Um, two really good goals, I thought, really well. Um, the build up towards those goals was great. It was really good. I think it starts with about one of the defenders around our own penalty box with a couple of short passes and we play it quickly with one touch football. Next thing you know, in front of their goal and we score. Um, like you said, Mason Mount was brilliant. He, um, you know, he offers that creativity, that energy. Uh, contributed. Was it an assist for both the goals? I think it was, yeah. Um, two assists, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he was brilliant, but also Thiago Silva. I mean, it just goes without saying he was, you know, majestic in in um, in defence, and it's such a joy to have him. And a lot of people just you know don't really consider him in a debate when they talk about the best centre back, whether it's Van Dijk or, or or whoever it may be. But I think honestly, this season he's been the best centre back, not not just in the Premier League, but in the in the whole of Europe and the world for me. Mm. He's been absolutely brilliant, and you know people almost forget about his age, seeing how good he is. So um, he was brilliant again, and next thing you know, now we're in a we're in the semi-finals at Wembley, which is enjoyable. Yeah, and I, I again, I think I said this, if not on the podcast, I, I might have tweeted it, but you know, I said, you know, Thiago Silva's got to be classed as the best Premier League, if not in Europe, he's he's up there definitely because. For me, it's his age. It is his age for me. I think, you know, you look at some of these these defenders at that age, you know, 37, I think he is now, they decline so quickly, you know, and the, the body they're, starts... They retire as well, most of them. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, the, the, the body starts falling apart. They're not as good. And, you know, what, what makes him still world-class is that he isn't the fastest, but he knows where to be in the right place at the right time. That football brain that he's got is, is going to keep him going for the next two maybe even three years. We could see him playing until he's 40. So there's not many centre-back, not many footballers actually around at that age, still playing at that level. You look at like a totally different player, but the likes of someone like Jermaine Defoe or, you know, just someone who can still carry on and play a bit more football. But you've got to have the football brain to be able to, to back that up because your legs do get slower as you get older and, you know, you, you do take longer to recover from, you know, 90 minutes plus. You know, in some games. So I think he's up there. You know, Van Dyke, of course, is up there. You know, everyone will say, well, what about Van Dyke? He's up there, of course. You know, he's one of the best, if not, you know, underneath Thiago Silva. But overall, when you talk about what's been won as a, as a player, you know, all the things that Thiago Silva's won over his career, um, and also at Chelsea, you think about what he's won already at Chelsea as well. It's in the short space of time that he's had, it's, it's, it, it's not, it's not, it's no comparison for me. Yeah. I mean, you factor in his age, but it's also the level of the quality of the performance he's putting at that level as well. Mm. In terms of Champions League finals, semi-finals, he's almost playing every single game of the Premier League, which is about mm. 38 games a season already, plus the knockout stages of the, you know, the cup competitions. He's extraordinary. He's so unique. And like you said, there's no other player out there that's playing at that level at his, at his age. And you just do wonder what it would have been had he partnered up with John Terry, you know, both in their primes in the Premier League. I think you'd be calling it the best part, defensive partnership that's ever existed, in my opinion. Yeah, it'd have to be. You know, you look at, you know, even you think back to like Carvalho, who was there at the time, you know, he that was a brilliant partnership there. But to see maybe a Thiago Silva and John Terry, you know, Ashley Cole in that defence as well. It, you know Ivanovic at right back yeah you know and then before that you know you, even if you had I mean this is us going like off topic but if you had like Makaleli in there as well or an Essien or Lampard as well bring back Zola put Zola in there with Hazard maybe and but yeah you know Drogba Costa up front it would it would have been the ultimate team but I think you know in terms of Thiago Silva 
you know, there isn't many players. I think I think people will realise how good Thiago Silva was, especially for Chelsea when he retires. Mm. And I think that's when people will look back and say, wow, he actually played all those games and he played in that final and he done... It's not that he just played in the final, but he he was important. You know, the importance of him being in the final is what made him so great in the final. There'll so, be a void. There'll be a void when he leaves. That's oh, yeah. going to be really tough to fill. Yeah, anyway, I think, you know, if, if the club's any, you know, or the owners who are coming in imminently, if they've got any sense, they'll, that's the first thing they'll start doing is looking at who they can bring in to replace him because it's not, you know, some players are irreplaceable. You know, you look at a Messi at Barcelona or even now, you know, look at John Terry. We've Thiago Silva there now, but before that, we haven't really replaced John Terry. We still haven't replaced Costa. We haven't replaced Didier Drogba. We haven't really replaced... Frank Lampard to an extent, if you read, you know, Seth, Seth Fabregas, some of these players are just irre- irreplaceable and you can't just bring in a player that is probably potentially going to be that good, but isn't, doesn't really hit that height. So it's, it's, it's hard. I did say, I think a couple episodes back, but I think the smartest business in the transfer market that we've often done is getting in those experienced players, late twenties, early thirties, the likes of Thiago Silva and Free, Seth Fabregas. Those mm. were the players that really worked where sometimes these more younger players coming from a new league, doesn't always pay off, not just Chelsea, but other clubs. You look at Nicolas Pepe at Arsenal, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz. It took him about a year to find his feet at Chelsea. Mm. So um, I think going into the summer, we should definitely consider that should we be allowed to buy players. Look at those more experienced players, you know, players that have played in the league before that are, you know, they've got about five years of experience playing at, you know, elite, elite comp- in elite competitions at the highest level. Um, but, but obviously now with all the hype around these like players like Haaland, Chouameni, Kamavinga, those type of players... They just automatically get attached about a 60 million price fee. And next thing you know, they're, they're out of Real Madrid, a Barcelona, a Chelsea, a City. So there's not much you can do about it. But I, I think it's just the hype around the young players now is just, it's hard to, to avoid. Yeah, sometimes it, it doesn't work out. You know, you get these, these players that are young players, you know, 19, 20. And like you said, you know, they get a 60, you know, 70 million um, pound price tag on them. And that, that, then it adds pressure, you know, it brings a lot of pressure to their game. You know, they have to perform every week and sometimes they just don't do that and they don't, they don't live up to the expectation. But I think you're right. You know, when we got Cesc Fabregas, none of us would have expected, you know, ex-Arsenal player would be someone that we would grow to love and grow to appreciate at the club as well. And, you know, they're not, there's not many left of them. If we're being honest, there's not many of those players that you can bring to the club and say, right, you know, 37, 36, 35, you're still going to be in the team and still doing the job. So there isn't many of them left. They're no nonsense footballers as well. Silvers, the Fabregasas, they don't have this like lavish lifestyle of going to Dubai, posing on yachts, all into their Instagram, you know, their image online. They're just, Mm. they just focus on their football they're family men as well. They've got families yeah, yeah. to look after. So they, they're very professional. Professional is the word I say. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Let, let's take it back to the FA Cup really quickly. Um, you mentioned Palace um, next next round. It's, um, it's interesting about Crystal Palace because it really does depend which Crystal Palace turns up. And I mean, they, they dismantled Everton, I think it was. Um, which is probably not an e- uh, a hard task at the moment, but it depends. I really, I worry about Crystal Palace. They've got some really good, you know, I think it's uh, Elise, you look at Eze. Uh, um, yeah, they've got loads of good players there, you know, Zaha as well, um, Edward as well. They've got loads of players in there, you know, I could, could probably go for the whole team and say, yep, yeah, I expect them to put a shift in, but what's your thoughts going into that semi-final? Because, so it's at Wembley, which I disagree with. I think they should go back to the 
sort of neutral grounds. I don't like that Wembley thing. I think Wembley should just be for finals. Um, don't know what your thoughts are on that, but what's your thoughts on Crystal Palace as well? I think on paper, it's the easiest team we could have drawn. Otherwise, it would have been mm. Liverpool or City. So I'm pleased we got Palace. But like you said, it's not an easy game. Palace will go into that, almost like treat it like a cup final. They know that if they win that, they're in the final and then they've got nothing to lose after that. So mm. it's going to be a really tough game. And we saw, I think, back in February, the game at Selhurst Park, how tricky it was. We all thought it would be a nil-nil before Ziyech snatched it in the, um, the final minute. So I'm expecting a really tricky game. I know all those players you listed, the likes of Zaha, Mateta, Elise, they've got goals in them. They do have goals. And they've got a solid defence in Anderson and Gway. Fortunately, I think Conor Gallagher is not allowed to play. I think he's... Um, he's, he's illegible, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it, if that rule applies in the FA Cup. I hope it does. I read somewhere that it doesn't, but I, I, I need to read up on it. I'm going to check it. I'm going to check it. But yeah. even seeing him play against us would feel weird knowing that he'd probably be a Chelsea player in two months' time. Um, but um, but no, I, like I said, it's the same with Real Madrid on paper. We are the better team. We've got the better players. We've got a a manager who um, who has brought us to almost every single final that he's competed in. So um, I think it's going to be a brilliant away day for all the fans travelling. Unfortunately, I'm abroad for that. So I won't be going to Wembley, um, but I'll be watching it um, from my holiday. Um but no, it would be a good one. It would be a good one. Not like we know if we win that, we're in a final again against City or Liverpool. But we should always just have that mentality of focusing on each game as it comes. I mean, what, what are the odds that we, we face Liverpool in not just the Champions League final, but the FA Cup final? And the League Cup final. And the League Cup final, yeah. Jesus, I tried to forget about that one. But yeah, the League Cup final as well. Like, What would be the odds that we play Liverpool in three finals in one season that... I think it's going to happen. And what are the odds that we get, you know, some dodgy VAR decision <laughs> against us again? It's, it's going to happen. You just know it. But um, <laughs> but no, I think City at Liverpool will be a really, really tight game. They're so evenly matched, I feel. Um, and they play each other as well, I think, in the league a couple week, a week just before or a week after. I'm yeah. not too sure. Um, but like I say, to be, to, to be the best, you have to beat the best, whether it's in a semi-final, final, so... Bring them yeah. on, so I can say. And I think we were yeah. we were a better team against Liverpool at, at Wembley in February in the League Cup final. So there's nothing that says we can't beat them again. Yeah, yeah. and I, I agree with that as well. Um, it's going to be interesting in their final because I don't think there's any transport. So there's no rail rail uh, at all that that weekend. Um, from they share, I think they, the two teams might even share a plane. Is what I read. Something yeah. like that. So they, yeah. they might have to. But in terms of fans, I think you know. Um, I think I think both clubs are putting on coaches. I think if I read somewhere, I think both clubs are going to put coaches on, but it's just crazy that this is what goes back to my finger around, you know, um, Wembley being used as a semi-final. When I was growing up, it was always Newcastle, Old Trafford, Villa Park, you know, you use these neutral grounds. Um, I think Middlesbrough, or Stadium of Light maybe one year as well, but just... It's yeah, about the money. It's about the money yeah, now. They know they can fill out Wembley. They know the commercial value of Wembley is a lot higher than the yeah. Stadium of Light, Newcastle Stadium, Villa Park. Yeah, it's just yeah. from a money perspective, yeah. it makes sense. I mean, it's, good for, it's good for fans because not everyone gets the opportunity to go to Wembley. So if you can't, for instance, make the final or you don't get a ticket for the final, you've got an opportunity to get a ticket for the semi-final at Wembley. So that, I, I get that point, but it just takes away a little bit of that get into Wembley you know in the final but it, it's it's minimal stuff that I'm moaning about on a Monday the, the majority the majority of Liverpool fans live in London let's be honest <laughs> yeah, and United as well and United let's have, it, yeah. let's have it right so to be fair they don't need that many coaches because they can just get the, the overground 
Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be a good final uh, semi final with Palace. I think you know Patrick Vieira is going to want want this as well. I think that team that he's put he's he's built he's put together. Um, obviously, with the back of Roy, it's not all Patrick's uh, doing, but he's got the team playing really well. And I think you know, like you said, that they will treat this like a final. They will want to try and get to the final. I'm sure it's a gateway into Europe as well. So if they can win the FA Cup, then, you know, it's a gateway into Europe for next season. So um, I think I've just checked Conor Gallagher can't play for them. So I think he's illegible. Um, but with the government and everything going on, I wouldn't be surprised if they just say, yep, just roll out Conor Gallagher, put him in a team. It's fine. They've, they've, been, they've been sanctioned, so anything goes. But um, no, it'd be, it's going to be, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's a different, it's, it's good to see a different team in a semi-final. Um, you know, I know we've had to sort of the, the odd random team come up, but Crystal Palace, I think are a good team. You know, they're, like I said, Patrick is doing really well with them, but I do expect us to beat them. You know, I think if we can get through that semi-final, I'm, I'm not bothered if it's City or Liverpool. You know, I think you said it right. You know, we beat Man City in the, the Champions League last season and we, we should have won that, that League Cup. You know, there's no, only Liverpool fans and people that don't like Chelsea will say that we didn't deserve to win that League Cup, but we won it fair and square. He was on side. There was about six or seven decisions after that in different games where they gave it his on, uh, on side when he was off, when they were offside. So it, and they, they should have finished the game with 10 men as well. Yeah, well, yeah, with yeah, Chalabar. Yeah, so not to get back into that anyway, but um, but yeah, no, we've got a good couple of weeks coming up. I feel like, you know, we've had that break, the international break. We've had all the sort of circus that's going on of the sale of the club. Um, looking forward to getting back to Brentford. I think Brentford's a, a, a key game. We've got to start focusing. We haven't really spoke about the league as such, but we've got to focus on, you know, building points and, and getting away from the, the pack that's chasing us for, for the Champions League spot. Yeah, it's a big month of football, April. Really, really big month of football. You could even say season-defining, semi-final in the FA Cup, uh, mm. battle for top four still, and uh, quarter-final against Real Madrid. We've won the Champions League 13 times, let's not forget. So um, it's going to be a big, big month of football and starting with Brentford on Saturday. Yeah, just before we wrap up, I am going to put you on the spot. I know you said take one game as, as we do, but who would you rather play in the final of both the Champions League and the FA Cup. Bayern Munich and the Champions League. Mm. And, uh, yeah, but I just avoid the English teams. Um, and revenge against Liverpool in the FA Cup. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, well, I agree with the, the FA Cup. I, I think Champions League, I'd love Liverpool. I'd love to, I'd love to beat Liverpool in the Champions League as well. Uh, it's doable. They're going to, those words going to come back to haunt me. So I'm sure, hopefully they don't, but I'm sure they will. But, um, yeah, let, let's wrap up because um, I know it's a, it's a busy afternoon for both of us. So let's let's talk about the, the socials. As I mentioned at the start of the uh, episode, 5,000 followers on Instagram, which is a massive achievement. I think, you know, Theo, some of the work you've put on, on there, you know, all your, um, I don't know what they're called on there. They're not called... Uh, reels, I think reels. reels. That's, yeah. I was going to say shorts, but I think that's YouTube with shorts. But yeah, your reels that you're putting up. Um, I had to get involved the other day, so apologies if I offended anyone. Um, but yeah, you know, follow the accounts. Um, they're all at the top there. So if you just give them a follow um, from the Shed End on Twitter, from the Shed End with underscores between each of the words on Instagram. And of course, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is the most important one because it's the one that's got the, the fewest subscribers. I think we've got 40 or just about. So we're getting the views, but we're not getting the subscribers. So 
smash the subscribe button um, and of course spotify apple music you can also listen to the audio podcast on there as well we are on f- episode 57 so next episode will be our sort of birthday be our birthday episode one year from the shed end so theo um you know i can't wait to record that one hopefully with a, a couple of wins under our belt uh, brentford and potentially real madrid by the time we record so um but as always you know appreciate you joining me um Looking forward to recording next week. Until then, everyone stay safe and we will be back next week with another episode of From the Shed End podcast. Thanks for listening.